DJ PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome back Lincoln Kennedy, Raider, radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. DJ PK, it's Friday. LK is with you. Everybody okay? Yeah, everybody's good. Dan Day. The snow. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> the snow is falling. I trust you're somewhere warmer. Phoenix. Uh, in, in Phoenix, we don't have any snow. We <laughs> did get some rain last night. No snow, but, you know. So, in Las Vegas, it was all Utes all the time. Did yeah. the ease, and, and basically the fact that it was the same script just repeated, right down to when the Utes scored and how they scored, did that surprise you? Not at all. Uh, you know what? There have been... You know, I was conflicted. Uh, dog versus duck hatred aside, um, I, I was conflicted about Oregon. I never thought they were as good as their record. I thought it was very surprising they were able to go back to Columbus earlier this year and beat Ohio State. But I was never always that high on Oregon, um, mainly because the, the, the quarterback play at Brown. I, I think that I was not impressed with them. I thought they had some good, solid pieces. Obviously, Mario, Mario Thibodeau is going to be the they're probably the first pick in the draft um, if it's not a quarterback. But um, overall, I just was not overly impressed with uh, with uh, with Oregon. So, with that being said, I wasn't I wasn't surprised what Utah did to them in, in the early during the season, and more importantly, as you mentioned, the same game plan. Oregon just could not match the physical nature of the Utes. And, you know, Utah deservedly won the Pac-12. As you look at it now, how much do you think it was a distraction for the Ducks with this Cristobal flirtation with Miami? Because there's just no way, you know, that the talk started after the game and then two days later he's the coach. It's clear that it's been going on for a while, and we heard reports that it's been going on back before they even played the first game a few weeks ago. You know, for the first time that I, since I can remember, there were a lot of high, highly prolific, notable jobs available in the NC2A. You know, for a while, you know, Florida, SC, you know, Notre Dame, you know, all these things were changing over before um, before they happened. So, you know, I wasn't. I, it was disheartened that you know, the, the the young men heard about it and the, and the fact that the things uh, went the way they did. I don't know if that really reflected in their play. I think they were just outplayed by Utah both times. But it doesn't help when your coach is uh, seeming to be on the outs and and people are wondering whether or not he's going to be coming back, especially for the guys who still had years to play, uh, years of eligibility there. Oregon. So when we see coaches talking during the season, do you just want to move the recruiting day that's moved to December? That seems to have sped up the coaching hires, which speeds up the coaching fires. Are you ready for that to move back to January or February? I would hope that it would. I mean, it would move back because it would be very helpful, especially with all the things, the transactions, guys jumping around. You know, look, I, I've been very critical of the transfer portal. Um, I think it's like a, you know, an amateur set size of free agency type of thing. But coaches have been doing it all along, and, and if coaches have the right to jump ship and go to other places, students should too. I don't necessarily agree with the transfer portal on, on another, other issues, but when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to scholarships, it makes it really tough if a coach doesn't get in there early enough or make the decision like they had to early enough to be a part of recruiting and to be able to to take it over and do a good job with it. From the NFL perspective, how good do you think Devin Lloyd is going to be as a linebacker? Because obviously he's been awesome at the college level. 
I, I love Devin Lloyd. I've said it in every broadcast that I've had a chance to do. You told I love Devin Lloyd. He's a, a linebacker who's always around the football. We'll call it, I call it ball hawk. And more importantly, he's just had a tremendous career. He's a high-impact player. I think he's going to be great on the next level. Davion Thomas really came on for the Utes. Should he go yeah. to the NFL now? Because running backs, man, they don't have very long careers. Why spend one more year in college? Or he didn't even play a full season for the Utes. He does need another year in school. I think he needs another year. I think he needs another year to showcase his talents and really show what he can do, especially at all now, coming out of the backfield, catching the football, stuff like that. Um, but at the same point, you know, it's hard to determine whether or not he feels comfortable enough that he's going to get enough playing time. So, you know, you can take, you can strike while the griddle's hot. I just don't know where, how far he's going to go. He might end up being, you know, either a late draft choice or, uh, or, or a free agent. How about offensive linemen, you know, because obviously they're getting hit on every single play. A kid like Nick Ford, for the, if he wants to come back, so be it. But I, I really don't see any reason. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's done everything he can. He should just go ahead and move on to the next level. But, look, there, there are a lot of schools that have what we call super seniors now, guys that are staying in to try to up their draft status. They have, they have the information or the wherewithal out there, the ability to check to see where your possible draft status we might get. I implore all the kids who are thinking about the next level and they still have some, some, um, some eligibility left in college to, to take the full advantage of that. Get that assessment, see where you are, and don't rush it. The NFL's not going to go anywhere. It's going to, it's going to be there, I promise. Lincoln Kennedy joining us. He is both a Pac-12 network analyst and a Raider radio analyst. Uh, As you watch all the coaching moves uh, shake out and as you advise people, would you advise Chip Kelly and uh, Wilcox to go to Oregon? I don't, I, I don't think Cal or UCLA are bad jobs. I really don't. Um, I know Oregon has a ton of money with being known as Nike U, um, and they've done a great job of recruiting, and NIL is high. Um, but if, if I'm at the other places, I don't see it. It's almost like a sideways move to me. Because if, if Chip Kelly could put UCLA on the map, I mean, with football, he would be highly regarded, especially with the company competing with Lincoln Riley right there, you know, across town. And as for Justin Wilcox, I mean, you know, Cal's a, a great institution, a great university, uh, and and they've been coming up, you know, getting some good recruits lately. They're they're they seem to be on the rise. They just keep stubbing their toe uh, once they get away from Chase Garbers and try to find something else. But uh, that quarterback, but for my my mind, it's it's not it's not a step up. It's like almost like a sideways move. And why? Saturday morning, or Saturday, Sunday morning, I was thinking college, Sunday morning <laughs> in uh, Kansas City, Raiders and Chiefs, Chiefs put it on them pretty good, yeah. what, three, four games ago, uh, Raiders, uh, bad loss to Washington, offense couldn't get going much, I gotta admit, I'm not expecting much here. You and me both. I mean, I've been very critical of the Raiders this past week. The thing is, is that, you know, in the past, they've hurt themselves with stupid penalties, and, 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 and but the more important thing throughout this season, the reason why they're 500, they've been terribly inconsistent. And I don't know how you change that. I don't know what you do. You know, I was hoping, I was thinking that after the Cowboy game, as aggressive as the, the offense came out and played, that they were going to be able to just trounce all over the Washington football team, especially with the injuries they had in the secondary didn't seem that way. It didn't I mean it wasn't that way, obviously. They played down to the level of competition. Now they put themselves back themselves in a the corner. 
They've got to win out if they have any aspirations of going to playoffs because all the opponents from here on out are AFC opponents as well as divisional opponents. And so I just don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I, I haven't seen enough out of this team to say that they can go in Kansas City, well, confidently say they can go in Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. Now, I think they have the ability, but again, inconsistencies have run rapid with this team all season long. You know, we say it's a quarterback-driven league, and, and it is. You really have a huge advantage when you have a good quarterback. But the Steelers' Thursday night game and some of their problems the last couple of weeks uh, has really kind of shined a light on you still have to be able to stop the run. I mean, the basics still matter. And you look at the bottom quarter of the league in rushing defense, you have teams that are really bad, the Texans, the Jets, the Lions, the Giants. And then you got a group of teams there that are just trying to get to the playoffs and kind of in the wild card race, but not quite, Raiders, Vikings, Steelers, and Chargers. If any of them could shore up the run defense, I know we judge their quarterbacks and judge them harshly, but if any of them shored up their run defense, would that make the difference? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think it could. But, again, you still have to have competent quarterback play because you have to put points on the board. I think there have been many teams that have been complacent and content with just kicking field goals, and that's not going to be a lot of teams in these leagues. The offenses are so prolific that you've got to be able to score touchdowns. So not only do you have to stop the run in the sense where Pittsburgh couldn't do that last night. I mean, Davin Cook ran all over them. But more importantly, well, their offense has got to be able to score. And Pittsburgh's offense seemed really inept last night because they couldn't even pick up simple blitzes. They had offensive linemen, you know, going down on linebackers on space and letting defensive linemen go to get sacked, uh, Ben uh, get sacked. So that's just poor offensive line play. They were they were completely blown out, and they they came back and made it interesting. They were completely blown out long before the the, the game was over. But more importantly, they they seemed unable to handle the pressure. They played a big game on Sunday and then come back and play Thursday. They seemed they seemed out of it for a while. The Raiders, too, you know, you talk about uh, divisional or conference opponents. I don't think any of them have a losing record. I think the Broncos might be the worst at 6-6 six and six, uh, going forward. So they've got qu- at least decent teams anyway, and not necessarily great if you're 6-6. Six and six. Uh, So if they don't make the playoff, uh, or maybe even if they do, if they barely get in, where do you think they go as far as coaching? That's a, that's a big question. I like Rich Versace. I think he needs to work on his clock management, but he's a he's a, a rookie head coach, so that that's going to happen every now and then. I like Rich Versace. I like his coaching staff. I think they need to tweak at quarterback, and I think they need to tweak at offensive coordinator. Uh, maybe go out and get somebody. However, there's not a whole lot of options. Derek Carr to me, has been inconsistent for eight years. And, and you've seen flashes. Even the time that in 2016, before he broke his ankle, he was probably in the conversation for MVP. I know what a lot of people have said about the numbers that he's had. I just don't know if he, he gets you to the next level. I don't know if he's a Patrick Mahomes, or and, and there aren't a whole lot of quarterbacks out there. So I, I think you might have to tweak that. As offensive philosophy goes, there's some things that need to be tweaked. I, and, and I don't know if bringing in a new offensive coordinator is, uh, or offensive co- minded coach is going to change that because they've got some good pieces. They just need to use uh, better know how to use them. It stuns me when I hear coaches have problems with clock management. I mean, it's just arithmetic. It's addition and subtraction. And with so many employees in, the, in, in Major League Baseball, they have like a bench coach to sit there and make sure that a young manager, or sometimes even an experienced manager, just has someone else to run them by, make sure I'm not missing anything obvious. How come there isn't one more person on headsets helping coaches with simple math? There's, there's a gazillion dollars at stake here. 
I wish I wish there were. And then it was a classic case this past week against the Washington football team. We're coming up again up on, on a two-minute uh, warning in the first half. The Raiders made a stop of Washington, forced second and long. And rather than call a timeout, and Versace had all three of his timeouts, rather than call a timeout and take advantage of stopping the clock to give your offense a little bit more time, he let it run down the two-minute warning. Lost about 35 seconds. Uh, and, and Washington, that was their, 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 their key. That's what they want to do. They want to control the time of possession. They want to run the football. And they did it. So I thought it was bad judgment on Versace's area. Uh, on, on and, and so there's things like that that happen throughout games that I see amongst amateur coaches or rookie coaches that have to be, you know, pay attention to. But, you know, it's one of those mistakes that could be costly, and it was. So, Lincoln, are the Bills done? We've watched them struggle, and I had high hopes for them. You looking somewhere else in the AFC now? I don't think they're done. I still think they're a good football team. They just need to find a way to rebound. That was an embarrassing loss to the Patriots. Yeah. All right, well, LK, we appreciate a few minutes to talk football. Thanks a lot, and we will uh, talk to you again in a week. All right, guys. Have a good one. I'll see you soon. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, and like everybody else, he's on board with Devin Lloyd. Yeah, what a stud, man. My gosh. Making so many big plays. You don't have to have the... uh, really fine-tuned eye for it to know that guy's better than everybody else yeah i was re-watching that game the other night uh you know one from last week and that interception well first of all brown threw it right to him uh how did he not see him <laughs> he's a big man but just his ability to move and he's physical i mean i'm not a football nfl talent evaluator but he just screams he j- prototypical yeah. linebacker man in today's game to be able to rush play the run drop back and and move you know, he can. He, you know, they talk about a five-tool player in baseball. It seemed like whatever tool you number for linebacking crew, whatever that might be, he's got it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. More on the Jazz big win coming up. David Locke is going to join us at 9.05, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and Joe Ingles will be here at 9.30 on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone.